Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the kings of Judah and Israel as we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Let's turn to 1 Kings, beginning with chapter 1. 1 Kings, of course, is just the continuation of the history of the kings of Judah and Israel. 1 and 2 Samuel are taken up pretty much with the time from Samuel through the reign of David. As we get into the book of the kings, we continue now the story of the history of the kings of Israel and Judah after David passes from the scene. First and second kings actually cover a period of approximately 400 years, and they give to us the record of the kings, first of all, those that ruled over Judah. Now, as we get into first and second chronicles, you have a repetition of a lot of the history but First and Second Chronicles are the chronicles of the kings of Judah, so they don't really deal so much with the kings of Israel, whereas First and Second Kings deals with both Israel and Judah, the kings that reigned in the north, the kings that reigned in the south. So in chapter 1, we read, Now King David was old and stricken in years. When it says that they were old and stricken in years, it means that they had begun to become an invalid. As others in the Old Testament, some, of course, like Moses, their strength abated not. His sight and all was excellent right up until the day of his death. But others, it declares that as they became old, they became stricken in years. It is tragic to see a person stricken in years, such as David, who lives such a vital, active life. But David, as he got older, just wasn't the person that he was when he was younger, as is the case for all of us. But uh, David, as he became older, was out in battle, you remember, last week, and started to faint. And so they said, hey, you're not going to go out and fight anymore. You know, you stay home, we'll do the fighting. But now as he continues to age, he becomes sort of an invalid, stricken in years. It's a sad statement of that invalidism that oftentimes overtakes an elderly person. So this is far from David the great warrior and and David the man who was so active as he becomes old. In fact, I, I hate to see my hero this way. He, he, they putting on blankets and he's still shaking, you know. And uh, so someone suggested that they get hold of a young virgin, that she might stand before the king and love him and cherish him and take care of him and lie in his bosom that he might be warmed. And so they sought for a beautiful damsel from 
all of the areas of Israel, and they came across Abishag, a Shumanite, and they brought her to the king, and she was very beautiful, and she loved the king and ministered to him, but there, David did not have relations with her. Now David's son, Adonijah, who was the brother, full brother of Absalom, he was the son of Haggith, this Jezerite, she bore David at least two sons, and both of them actually sort of rebelled against their dad. And uh, Adonijah, when he saw that his dad was getting old and feeble, decided that he would take over the kingdom. And so he gathered together Joab, who was, of course, David's chief general, Abiathar, who was the priest during the time of David, and he conferred with them of his desire to take over the throne of his father. But Zadok, the other priest, and Benaniah, and Nathan the prophet, and Shimei, and other mighty men which were with David, did not go along with Adonijah. But Adonijah threw a great party, killing many sheep and oxen and fat cattle, and, and had this big sort of a announcement or pronouncement of himself as king over Judah. But Nathan the prophet and Benaniah and these other fellows weren't invited. So Nathan came to Bathsheba, and he said, Did not David promise to you that Solomon, your son, would reign in his stead? Now, you better hurry and get in unto David because Adonijah is gathering men around him and is planning to take over the kingdom. And so you go into David and you say to David, did you not promise me that my son Solomon would reign in your stead? How is it that Adonijah has set himself up as king? And while you're talking to David, I will come in and confirm to David that what you're telling him is true, that Adonijah in reality has gathered Joab and these other fellows and is trying to set himself up as king. So Bathsheba came in to David and said, according to the words of Nathan, she said, how is it, you know, I thought that, David, that my son Solomon was going to get to reign in uh, your stead, you know, and all. And how is it that Adonijah now is setting himself up and what's going on? And David, of course, was not aware of what Adonijah was doing. And while she was talking, Nathan came in and David questioned Nathan. Nathan confirmed the fact that Adonijah had called these fellows together and was having this big shindig in which he was uh, making the announcement of himself as king. And the people were saying, long live Adonijah the king and all. And so David then ordered that they take his mule and set Solomon upon it and take him through the streets and let the people proclaim Long live Solomon the king. Take him down to the uh, spring of Gihon and there let him be anointed as king over Israel by Zadok the priest. And let Benaniah go before him and the mighty men and announce the reign of Solomon 
with David's blessings that David has declared Solomon to be the king. And so the king said, call Bathsheba, and she came back in and stood before David, and the king swore and said, as the Lord liveth, that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress, even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead, even so will I certainly do this day. So Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth, did reverence to the king, and said, Let my lord King David live forever. And so he made the uh, arrangements then for Solomon to be anointed by Zadok the priest there at the pool or the springs of Gihon and then to be led into the city proclaimed as king. So verse 39, Zadok the priest took the horn of oil out of the tabernacle and he anointed Solomon and they blew the trumpet and all the people said, God saved King Solomon. And all the people came up after him and the people piped with their pipes and rejoiced with great joy and the earth was torn with the sound of them. And Adonijah and all of the guests that were at his party, when they heard all of the noise in the town, the trumpets blowing and all of the uproar, someone came in and said that Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest came and Adonijah said unto him, come in. You're a valiant man. You must have good news. And he said, not so good. He said, uh, the king has sent Zadok the priest, and he has anointed Solomon to be king. And uh, Nathan the prophet, they've gone before him there at Gihon, anointed him. And this is the meaning of all of the rejoicing. This is the noise that you hear. For Solomon sits on the throne of the kingdom. And moreover, the king's servants came to bless our Lord King David, saying, God, make the name of Solomon better than thy name and make his throne greater than thy throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. In other words, when they came to David and said, may God bless your son even greater than you've been blessed and all, David acquiesced and acknowledged, you know, by his bowing to uh, Solomon's reign and, and the declaration that Solomon's reign should be great, even greater than David's. One verse here that especially stood out in my mind, verse 29, as David was addressing his wife Bathsheba, he declared, as the Lord lives that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress. What a glorious testimony that is. Now, he didn't say the Lord kept my soul from all distress. A lot of times people have a mistaken notion that God somehow is going to give me divine immunity from problems. That somehow I'm going to be immune from any kind of distressing or vexing situation. Not so. As a child of God, I face many distressing situations. I have no immunity from problems from suffering, from hurts, nor will you. But I do know that God will deliver me out of all my distresses. Now, you see, 
The difference between a Christian and a non-Christian isn't the fact that a Christian doesn't have distresses and doesn't have problems because I have just as much distress and problem as, as an ungodly person has. The only thing is, I have one who redeems me out of them all. The ungodly, not so. They've got to make their way the best they can through them or perish in them or whatever, but the Lord will redeem my soul out of all distresses. So Paul the apostle spoke, who hath delivered me from so great a death? Who doth now deliver me? And I am confident that he shall yet deliver me. But being a child of God did not give any kind of protection against problems, against battles. And if you think that being a Christian means that life is just going to be a pleasure bed of roses, then you're due for some very difficult and rude awakenings in your Christian experience. If you think now that you're a Christian, you're not going to have any problems, that's not so. And, and you're apt to get very discouraged when problems come. But if you know that as a child of God, I'm going to face problems just like everybody else, but the Lord will be with me and redeem me and help me in my problems and will bring me forth victorious. That's the important thing. So that even in my problems, I do have a different mental attitude than the non-Christian. They don't know what's going on or what's going to happen to them, whereas I know that the Lord's going to see me through. I know the Lord's going to deliver me out. And so David's glorious witness, and this is the end of his life, the end of the road. What a beautiful witness. Oh, as the Lord liveth, that hath delivered my soul out of all distresses. So Solomon is now sitting on the throne. And when Adonijah heard this, of course his guests all fled. And Adonijah ran in and grabbed hold on the horns of the altar. Now on the altars that they used to make, on the corners of the altar, they had these little raised areas that looked like a horn. On the four corners of the altar, these little areas, we saw one of the altars that the archaeologists uncovered in, in Beersheba, the ancient city of Beersheba. And they haven't really uncovered too many altars whole. In fact, this is uh, one of the first one where all four horns were still intact. And they're just little horns that sort of come up on the edge. Well, Adonijah went in and grabbed hold of the horns. And when you read, he went in and grabbed hold of the horns of the altar, it means he grabbed hold of these two little handle-like things that come up that look like horns there on the corners of the altar. And so they came and told Solomon that Adonijah is afraid of you and he's in holding on to the horns of the altar, saying, Let Solomon swear to me this day that he will not slay me with a sword. And Solomon said, If he behaves himself, he'll be all right. 
let him go home. So Adonijah went to his own house. Now the days of David drew near when he was going to die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. Now here's father to son, and it, in his typical fatherly advice. Show yourself a man, son. Be strong. Show yourself a man. David coming to the end of the road. Now, it is interesting to me that David's later years were spent in a feeble physical condition, a man who must have been in tremendous physical shape in his prime. He talks about, by the Lord, I have run through a troop. I have leaped over a wall. And, and you see the rugged country that David fled from Saul, the wilderness of Ziph and down En Gedi and uh, some of this rugged area. You know that the guy had to be in top physical shape. But yet in the later years, stricken and now about to die, God doesn't give us immunity from death. God doesn't give us immunity from feebleness, perhaps, before death. This business of every child of God ought to live prosperous life and, and healthy lives isn't it doesn't follow in the scriptures. Here is David, a man after God's own heart, stricken in his older years and now ready to die. Others are healthy up until death, but it, it really, you know, it, it isn't fair, it isn't right to say, well, brother, if you just believe God and think positively, you know, you could be healthy and, and you wouldn't have to suffer like this. Not so. There is no explanation why sometimes very godly people suffer. We don't know the reasons. And don't feel that a positive attitude is going to give you immunity from any suffering either. David's advice to Solomon was very good to begin with, but then it sort of lapsed into personal vengeance that David wanted Solomon to take. So typical of David had his capacities for extremely high spiritual characteristics but then also had the capacity to be very human. I'm going the way of all the earth. Be strong, show yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses that thou mayest prosper in all that you do and whithersoever you turn yourself. So, good advice. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Keep his statutes, commandments, judgments, testimonies, in order that you may be prosperous. Now, earlier, David had written, Blessed is the man 
who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law does he meditate day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the river of water, bringing forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. When Moses was giving Joshua the charge, Moses said to Joshua much of what David said to Solomon in his command to Joshua that he might keep the commandments and ordinances and statutes of the Lord. For thus shalt thou make thy way prosperous. So the key to prosperity is obedience to the laws of God. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So excellent advice by David to his son. And David reminds him of God's conditional promise. But notice that it is a conditional promise. Now there are those today, they call themselves British Israelites, and they proclaim that the king of England is actually a direct descendant of David. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of First Kings on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order First Kings 1 through 2 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord watch over you as you go hand be upon your life for good. May the Lord bless you and strengthen you and fill you with his Holy Spirit that you might walk in his love, that you might be an instrument through which he works his work of love in a world that is filled with hate and suspicion. May your life be as a light shining in a dark place, bringing hope to those who sit in darkness. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Undoubtedly, one of the most glaring signs that our society is in trouble is the breakdown of the family unit. Marriages just aren't making it today, and kids are suffering as they watch the breakup of their homes. Those marriages still holding together are often plagued by conflict and turmoil, making the home a battleground instead of a refuge. 
That's why The Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's Marriage and Family MP3, where Pastor Chuck discusses basic biblical principles to keep a family's love alive. Each member of the family has a different set of needs and responsibilities. And when you know and apply God's principles, everyone in the family can experience real peace, real joy, and an agape love. To order your copy of the Marriage and Family MP3 by Chuck Smith, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.